just to let you know that. Exodus 15, uh, as we continue our series, uh, Free at Last. Uh, this morning, we're going to talk about the songs of the Lord, the songs of the Lord. Listen to Exodus 15, beginning at verse 1. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his hosts he cast into the sea, and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power, your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. With the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The floods stood up in a heap. The deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My desire shall have its feel of them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind. The sea covered them, they sank like lead in the, wa- in the mighty waters. Who is like the Lord among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we do give you praise, glory, honor, and thanks. And it's in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Spirit, that we all together sit under the authority of your word. And we pray that you will teach us. and pray that you would encourage our hearts, strengthen our faith in you, Uh, as we together learn from your word this morning. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Uh, Deeply, deeply embedded into the life of the covenant community, that is the church, uh, is the practice of singing. Uh, Throughout the Bible, God's people are either commanded to sing, or we are told through the stories of the Bible of those who sang to the Lord in praise of his victories or in reflection upon his character or in the recounting of his acts of faithfulness among his people. In a passage encouraging God's people to teach and admonish one another, the Apostle Paul includes singing among those practices that helps to build up the body of Christ. I once had a professor who in teaching about The Psalms encouraged us that God was not just after shaping our minds and actions toward their proper end, but also shaping our emotions toward their proper end, the glory and worship of our God. And music uh, certainly does uh, shape uh, shape our emotions. I mean, who in here hasn't been having a bad day? And then your favorite song came on the radio. And all of a sudden, for just a few minutes, joy fills your soul. I can't tell you how many times that has happened to me. A few weeks ago, in fact, God put the song, uh, You Are My Strength, 
uh, into my soul because of the kind of week I was having. Uh, and without knowing it, Kelly put that song in the choir set, and I could hardly sing it that day for crying. I, it felt like God in that moment was thinking about me and the bum week I was having <laughs> and sent further confirmation that that song was for me and that he was and would, in point of fact, be my strength. My soul needed to feast on those truths. Yet, in addition uh, to shaping the emotions toward their proper end, music also allows us to pass on not only to our souls, but to each other, uh, truths about our God that are meant to encourage and strengthen us for the days ahead, for the journey ahead, for the battles ahead. That is why uh, this pause in the narrative in which we have, uh, we have recorded the words of the song that Moses and the people uh, sang to God regarding his victory over Egypt is not incidental. This, this is God's people recording truth about God, not just in the history books, but recording the, the, those truths, these truths into their collective memory as a people of God. This is, this is God's people singing to God in the process, reminding each other of the roads that they have traversed and the faithfulness of God along those roads. This was God's people reminding each other of the enemies that they had faced and the faithfulness of God in conquering those enemies. This was God's people singing about their future that was before them and the faithfulness of God to bring them into that future. This was God's people, former slaves who were learning how to pass on the truths about God that their enemies could not frustrate and could not suppress. This was God's people, brothers and sisters, who would learn under Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 20 that when the Lord is with you in battle, all you need is a song. <laughs> A song in which you are reminded of the steadfast love of the Lord. And what I love about this song is that it is not a trendy song. It, 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 it isn't a song that grows old with time. For the Scriptures testify that this same song will be sung at the consummation of all things, having been merged with the song of the Lamb. For Revelation 15, 2 and 3 says this, And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire, and also those who had conquered the beast and its image and the number of its name, standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. This medley, brothers and sisters, is our song now, and it will be our song then. It's a song that we all need to learn together, a song that teaches us the truths of who our God is and what our God has done for us. Amen, people of God. And so what are the truths? What are the truths that are embedded in this song that we are called to sing? Well, first and foremost, God is my God. God is my God. Within the first few verses of this song, God is identified as the God who triumphs gloriously over his enemies, and by virtue of his covenant with them, his people's enemies. He is identified as strength, as song, as salvation, as God, as warrior, as the Lord. 
Yet within many of these identifiers, there is something else that is proclaimed by the songwriter that identifies something important about God. God is not just strength. He is not just song. He is not just salvation. He is not just God in some abstract sense. Rather, the songwriter identifies him as my strength, as my song, as my salvation, as my God, as my Father's God. For the songwriter, God has shown himself not only as the God who is majestic in his power and his actions, but the God who is personally bound to those on behalf of whom he has worked his mighty acts of salvation. God allows himself, indeed, he proclaims himself to be the God who is bound in personal covenant to those whom he has chosen, to those who have put their faith in him as God. He is not just Lord, he is my Lord. And what I love about God is that he is both personal in that individual way, but he is also personal in a corporate way. For it is not just Moses who sings this song to God, but Moses and the people of Israel. That is the whole community of God's people. Thus, God is simultaneously my God and our God. This song is therefore my song and your song. And in relationship to our brothers and sisters in this city and across the globe, it is both our song and their song. God is therefore my strength and our strength. God is my song and our song. God is my salvation and our salvation. God is my God and our God, my people's God and your people's God. Douglas Stewart in his commentary says the synonymous parallelism of of the second couplet of the verse, he is my God and I will praise him, my father's God and I will exalt him calls for heartfelt praise to Yahweh as one's personal God, one's own personal God, as well as recognition that we are in a grand lineage of his worshipers throughout all the ages. And for those like Israel who have experienced the oppression that has come into this world because of sin, this identification of the God of heaven and earth as also the personal God of his people is a powerful source of encouragement and hope. For the message in oppression, the message in slavery, whether it comes from human beings in their sinfulness towards you or from the impact of sin as it works its effect in our lives, is that you belong to no one or nothing else other than that someone or something else that is oppressing you, that is enslaving you. But the message of the true and living God is that through faith in Him, You don't belong to anyone or anything else but him. He is your God. He is your strength. He is your song. He is your salvation. He is your God. And he will prove himself to be personally all of those things, individually, corporately, as we encounter the very real forms of oppression and slavery that assault us spiritually and experientially as we live our lives in this world. God isn't just a God. He is the only God, and He has chosen to be my God and our God and their God to whomever trusts in Him as He proclaims Himself in these Scriptures. Amen, people of God. And so in singing, in singing, we remind ourselves of truths and 
We teach each other truths about who God is. And so the call here is to remind ourselves and teach each other the truth that God is indeed our God. That he is personally bound to us in covenant relationship. And that means that the things that are going on in our lives individually and corporately matter to him. Our griefs and our sorrows, our joys and our delights, our pain and our suffering matters to God. Remember, this whole journey began with God telling Moses that he had seen the affliction of his people and was now ready to deliver them. And we need to remind each other and we need to teach each other to believe that God is intimately tied to us in relationship so that we do not lose hope in the things that we endure in this life so that our joy might indeed be full. We are not just to sing of God's great character, but also to sing of His great character in relationship to us. God is not just strong. He is my strength. He's not just Savior. He is my Savior. He is not just Lord. He is my Lord. And don't lose sight, brothers and sisters, of that truth. And let's be present in each other's lives to remind each other of that truth. Let's sing it and let's declare it in our worship and in our lives together as God's people. God is, God is my God. It's one of the things we learn in the first part of this song. God is my God. We also learn in the first part of this song that God is majestic in his defeat of evil. God is majestic in his defeat of evil. The beauty, the glory, the majesty of God in his character actually includes within it a hatred of all that is evil and a commitment to purge from this world all that has to do with evil. The writer of Hebrews, in speaking to what God is committed to in this regard, he says this, at that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet more, once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made in order that things that cannot be shaken may, be, may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. That God hates what is evil, that He loves what is good, is actually to our good. <laughs> Amen. For it guarantees for us that the experiences of our own remaining sin nature as well as the sin that is in the world through the acts of other people, are not only, they're not only seen by God, but they are promised by God to be purged from the world. The defeat of Pharaoh's military, as it is described in these verses, is a testimony to what God intends to do with every form of evil that oppresses God's people and the world that God created. Every form of evil in its boast against God and against his people will be thrown down, will be shattered, will be overcome by the might of God. Again, let me quote Stuart's commentary at this point where he writes, God's eventual destruction of those who opposed him and his anger against evil are not opposed to the majesty of God, but are in fact inherent aspects of it. Modern sentimentalist thinking wants God to be ever tolerant, always soft-hearted, and thus defines God's justice as something other than how the Bible defines it. In fact, 
the just God revealed in the Bible, will not tolerate evil, though he is extremely patient in waiting for repentance as he was for at least 80 years with the Egyptians and plans for its eventual total elimination. And people who insist on being part of the process of evil will be eliminated as well. All of this, of course, in keeping with what the Scripture proclaims from old to new, our God will not allow evil to reign over his world forever. While the blood of his Son ensures our salvation and the salvation of all who come to hope in him, it also ensures that sin and death and all those who bind themselves to evil without repentance and faith will one day be rooted out of God's world. And this gives us actually, brothers and sisters, a tremendous hope and should provide tremendous courage to us as we confront all forms of evil and oppression in this world. We are not bound, listen to me, to a God. We are not bound to a God whose arm we have to twist or who we have to convince to be concerned about the evil that is in the world. He sees it, and he is committed to bringing it to an end. His majesty, his glory is bound up in that. In the greatness of your majesty, verse 7, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. And this truth brings forth the line in verse 11, which we should learn to sing together. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? And in a world where we have to face evil, the knowledge that we serve a wonder-working God should give us strength to face evil day because we know the majestic God is with us. Amen, people of God. And so if reminding and teaching each other the truths of God's being personally bound to us is important, so is this truth of God's majesty being bound up in the defeat of evil. When wars are raging, displacing and destroying families as well as civil peace as they are now, when murder takes hold in cities, that rip communities and families apart as they do now in many places, when the doing of injustice within families and within society is found to be pervasive as it is in many places. Christians need to remind each other and the world around us that there is a God who not only sees these things, but is engaged in bringing them to an end. We remind each other as we go out into the world to confront these evils and work toward their end, that there is a power greater than our personal zeal or our collective efforts to address the issues in the world. We remind each other and teach each other that our God's arm does not need to be twisted to get involved. He was there before, promising from the beginning the end of evil which had entered into his world through the work of his Son and our Lord Jesus Christ. So we remind each other that it's not our zeal. We remind each other it's not our collective effort. It is the majesty and glory of God to put sin to death, to put evil to an end, to purge it out of his world. He is committed. You don't have to, you don't have to make him. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to beg him. He is already committed to making sure that the day comes where his world is filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And so reminding and teaching each other this truth isn't pointless work, 
but it is the very thing we need to keep facing the evil that we see at work in us and at work in the world. Amen, people of God. We learn from this song, God is my God. We learn from this song that God, God's majesty is bound up in the defeat of evil. And we learn, lastly, in this song that God is faithful. God is faithful in leading us home. God is faithful in leading us home. I want to remind you today. I want to remind you today, Christians. I want to remind you today, brothers and sisters, that you are not homeless. I want to remind you today that you are not homeless. Now, most of you may think, of course we're not, Pastor. We, we have a house. We have a place to live. Uh, on a side note, if you don't have a home, if you don't have a place to live, uh, please let us know that uh, because we want to walk alongside you in that so that you are actually not physically homeless as well. But when I say you're not homeless, I'm not talking about your place of residence. That home has to be insured to protect against this loss that something unexpected may happen to it. That home may require you to put up cameras to guard against an intruder coming and taking your possessions or doing harm to you. That home has to be worked on to keep it in good shape and to keep it presentable for guests and others who you may need to entertain. That home may one day be sold to secure life in a better home. But there is a home that doesn't need any of those things. And the home I'm talking about doesn't require you to insure it, for it's already been insured. <laughs> that home I'm talking about doesn't require cameras, for it is always a place of safety and peace. That home I'm talking about doesn't require your work to keep it up, but rather invites you to rest. The home I'm talking about is a place of steadfast love. It is a place of redemption. It is a place of strength amidst life's troubles. This home, brothers and sisters, is rightly phrased as His holy abode, His holy mountain, the sanctuary in which His hands have established. It, it is home. It is home because God is there. It's home because it's where He dwells with His people. And while for Israel, God gave them a physical territory to illustrate this promise, we now, who are in Christ, have been given the fulfillment of that hope. It is Jesus himself who says in John 14, 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. For all of us then who have our faith in Jesus, for all of us who love him, for all of us who follow him, want to follow him and keep his commands, God's home is now with us and in us. The spirit that Jesus promised is in you. That means God is in you. And that means wherever you are, you are at home. Some of y'all heard that. Some of, you, some of you didn't. Wherever you are, because God is with you and in you, you are home. 
And the day is coming where God will make this earth what it was always meant to be, the place where God and his people dwell free from all that is wicked, all that is sinful, all that is deadly. But until that day, the source of home, the one who makes that future home meaningful is with us and in us. Home, brothers and sisters, is actually already here. And that means steadfast love is here, redemption is here, and strength is here for you. And so again, if singing, if in singing, if in worship, we remind ourselves and teach each other truths about who God is and what he has done, then reminding ourselves and teaching each other that we have a home in God is important. Why is it important? Well, the experiences in this life, of, of life in this world, can make us feel disconnected. Can I get a witness? Experiences of this life can make us feel disconnected, can make us feel lost. Difficulties in your work, trouble in your neighborhood, loss in your family, abuse, oppression, injustice, and the like can make us feel that truth that the scriptures proclaim, that this world in its current form is not our home. In those spaces, it's important to remind each other and to teach those who do not know it that our ultimate place of rest is with the Lord. And the good news, brothers and sisters, is that as we journey through life toward the new heaven and the new earth, we don't have to wait to experience something of that steadfast love, that rest, that joy, that peace that will be ours. For the Lord himself is on this journey with us and in us. He is in us through the power of the Spirit to grant us a foretaste each and every day of what is before us in our heavenly home. So he is with us. He is in us so that we experience those things that make us feel, as we experience those things that make us feel disconnected and lost, we can turn to him and find hope. Amen, people of God, for our true home is actually with him and in him. God has given us a song, a song that will one day be merged with the song of the Lamb who has purchased our salvation. And we will sing it to God together. For Moses' song has become, through faith in Jesus, our song. It's a song in which we sing of God as my God, the God who is personally bound to us in relationship. It's a song in which we sing of the majesty of God in defeating evil, the God who has bound his glory to not letting evil destroy his purposes for us or for this world. And it's a song in which we sing of a God who has led us home, the God who has made his home with us through faith in Jesus Christ. And it is faith in Jesus Christ that enables us to sing this song and embrace it as our song. So praise and glory and honor to Jesus through whom we have been given a song to sing. Amen, people of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we give you praise. We give you praise for this song of Moses, which was not just sang by Moses and the people of Israel in this day, but as you proclaim in the book of Revelation, will be sung by all of your people, merged with the song of the Lamb who has bought our salvation and has set us free from sin and death. 
Father, may we, may we sing this song. May we sing this song as we journey through this life. May we teach each other the words of this song, Lord, as we confront and face the reality of living our lives in this world. And would you encourage and strengthen us in our faith that we are yours, that we belong to you, and that this song is ours through faith in Jesus Christ, we pray in his mighty name. Amen.